0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to another edition of Your Personal Finance Live with uh, Dr. Charles Ross. Thank you for joining us on today. I hope your day or evening or whenever you're listening to this broadcast that you've had a tremendous overflowing abundance in your life. Well, joining me today is Wendy Y, as she's called. She's called a force of nature and a trend center in the coaching industry because of her fearless approach to innovation. Wendy Y. Bailey has been supporting entrepreneurs, coaches, speakers, trainers, consultants for more than 18 years. She is a two-time best-selling author, sought-after coach, and sales speaker because of her fierce and dynamic dedication to inspiring individuals, groups, and organizations to create extraordinary results. She's affectionately called Wendy Y. by her clients, business associates, and colleagues, and Wendy Y is an internationally known thought leader and has made a global impact in coaching as an innovative mentor coach serving folks across the U.S. and in countries like the U.K. and Italy. Hello, Wendy Y. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great, Dr. Ross. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm just uh, doing fine. I had uh, a visit to the doctor today. My shoulder from a bicycle injury had been nagging me mm. for the last... Three or four years and uh in the last six months, it got really intense, but anyway, I had to get a shot and uh, mm. I am such a wimp I, I have no bones about it you know I <laughs> <laughs> and uh the doctor is an orthopedic you know surgeon you know because I don't want him to cut on me, so he gave me a shot and some therapy and some medicine and stuff, and we'll see how that works out anyway, so besides that this morning,' <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good. I woke up in my right mind, and hey. That's a start. So Absolutely. When, uh, you know, folks talk about coaching. When you say coaching, you normally think about sports, you know, basketball, football, soccer, what have you, baseball, mm-hmm. track. So what do you do when we talk about coaching? What is it that you do?
2: Okay. Well, I'm a business and sales coach, and much like an athletic coach, I can see the player, understand the player's strengths and weaknesses and really ask the right questions and assign the right kind of uh, responsibilities to the client based on strengths and improving weaknesses and helping them to reach their goals faster. So it's very much the same concept, but what I do as a business and sales coach is I help my clients who are typically like coaches and speakers and Industry experts and marketplace influencers. I help them move from sales fear to sales success, which results in them doubling, tripling, quadrupling, quintupling their income and their bottom line profit.
1: So, if 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 I hear you correctly, you're like a coach to the coaches. Is that exactly? Okay, exactly. Okay, Yeah, every coach
2: needs a coach, just like every athlete turns into a coach, a lot of times people turn into into coaches as an athlete because they understand the game.
3: You know, gotcha. They understand
2: gotcha. the, the pitfalls. They understand where their weaknesses are. They know how to recognize those weaknesses in a way that uh, really helps the, the player to grow. So, yes, I coach other coaches.
1: Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's an interesting niche, too, because in, I don't know in sports – do you have uh, a coach coaching the coaches? They may have a mentor or something like that, you know, that which I guess that could be the same thing, but not someone who coaches the coaches and stuff like that. So that's interesting. So would you – well, no, I guess you wouldn't deal with athletic coaches. So you're dealing with coaches who are then going to have clients that they coach. Is that correct? Yep.
2: That's
3: exactly okay, it.
1: And, and so the end product, when you're coaching a coach – who is the coach coaching? Is he, you know, is he coaching business folks? Different or? people,
2: yeah, different okay. people. I have uh, coaches who are leadership coaches, so they're coaching typically leaders. Sometimes in corporate America, sometimes they're in ministry, but they're coaching leaders, and I'm helping them to know how to reach those leaders in a more effective way.
1: Awesome, awesome. Is mm-hmm. that is that a new industry or has it been around for a while?
2: Oh, my. Coaching has been around for a long time. Uh, One of the fathers of modern-day coaching was Thomas Leonard. And um, he was the one who kind of put it on the map. And one of the things he did was he founded... Uh, Coach University, which is one of the the old guard, if you will, coach training organizations. He also founded the International Coach Federation, which is like a governing body, if you will, over coaches. He also founded the International Association of Coaches, which is another body of coaches um, that you can get your certifications under and things like that. There are a bunch of coaching... Industry coaching uh, organizations out there, but I have to tell you, coaching has been around. Let's see, I've been in my business 18 years. I think I had been in there a, in here a little over a year when Thomas died, and by then he had actually put it on the map. Maybe 20, 25 years before that.
1: So coaching wow. has been
2: around a long time. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and and it seems like it's a much needed part because uh, you know a lot of folks. You know, in business and in other areas, uh, need help because uh, especially when you get to a certain level, I would mm-hmm. think that uh, you know that mountaintop view is really different. There's not that many people on that mountain with you that you can go to to get help, and uh, you might be a little intimidated by going to somebody to get help. Whereas a coach, I would think, you know, someone who particularly doesn't know you can come in and look at some, like you said, strengths and weaknesses. weaknesses and help you fine-tune what you're doing. Because I'm sure in leadership, you know, you don't want to, if you're leading folks, you don't necessarily, I would think, not want to show some um, some vulnerability and, and weaknesses, especially if you're well, leading let folks. Well,
2: and let me just interject here. Let me just interject. Okay. The days of people in executive positions being resistant to someone coming in to help them that the management team has deemed necessary for their growth and development are, are over. These days, because coaching is so prevalent and so prominent, executives want coaches to help them fine-tune their skills. They want coaches to come in and help them navigate the corporate terrain. They want coaches, entrepreneurs and business owners, want coaches to come in and show them how to get to where they want to go, how to improve in areas of their business. So it's it, it's not as unknown as you might imagine. Because we've been around so long, the industry has been around so long, people seek us out now. I'm a sought-after coach. People come to me and they say, oh, you know, I, I know about you. I had you on my vision board. And I love mm. that because they already knew my reputation and they wanted to work with me. They just, you know, wanted to do it at the right time.
1: Got it, got it. Now, with the folks, since you're you're coaching the coaches, but the coaches who are coaching the actual folks in corporate America, wherever they might be, do those individuals who are being coached by the people that you coach, are they reticent about their employees and and peers knowing that they're getting coached? Are they very candid to say, yeah, no, no,
2: not at all. Yeah, they're not reticent at all. In fact, they want people to know that they have made an investment or the company has made an investment in them to get coaching to be better. In fact, what wow. my experience has been, yeah, my experience has been that employees who are invested, invested in, who the corporation invests in, by helping them get a coach, either by reimbursing them for the expense or actually having an internal group of coaches, those employees are seen as leaders within the company, within the corporation, because that investment has been made in, in the, for coaching.
3: Wow. So they're not okay. reticent
2: at all about sharing it. They're they're like it's a badge of honor that the company has paid for somebody to coach me. That means I have potential. That means I have opportunity ahead of me. So they're excited about it.
1: So who would be a typical client? You know, since you're coaching coaches, who would be a typical client in this respect?
2: Well, I coach executive coaches and leadership coaches. I coach a lot of entrepreneurial coaches. And what I mean by that is they're entrepreneurs who are coaches themselves, but they don't know how to really build their business. And so they speak someone like me out who can talk to them about strategy, about systems, about infrastructure, about language, especially when it comes to sales, and really position them to grow their business. So that they don't have to worry about trying to figure that out, right? They hire somebody like me to help them with the areas that they, they don't have the expertise in. They're really amazing at coaches. They're really great at leadership. They're really great at politics at, uh, and, and how to navigate that terrain. They're really good at um, help, being health coaches. They're just the gamut. i got a bunch of different types of coaches. But, you know, these are people who know they need support and help. And because they know they need support and help, they seek out a coach like me to guide them. And they're still.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now, you know, when I was introducing you, I I shared that you've been doing this for 18 years. Uh, that's a long time, almost 20 years. How, how do you, what do you attribute to you being in this business for so long?
2: Uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer. Um, because every day is a different adventure. And some days are harder than others, to be honest. As an entrepreneur first, every day you wake up and you're excited about jumping into the day is a good day because there are plenty of days when you wake up and go, what am I really doing here? Why am I really doing this? Why did I commit to doing this? And so a lot of spiritual Practices, business practices, and life practices make a difference. Like I said, prayer works. I don't know. I don't think we were a member of the same church, but one of my, my pastors used to say, prayer changes people and people change things. Hmm. Because it gives you a depth of, of confidence in centering in yourself and who you are and whose you are so that you can move through whatever adversity comes your way throughout the day. One of the things I love as, as a spiritual practice is I actually use affirmation. A friend of mine, is uh, she calls herself a meditation and mindfulness ambassador. And she's been meditating for like 30 or 40 years or something like that. And she has a, she's also a voice actor. So she's recorded some affirmations, and part of my morning routine is to actually listen to those affirmations and hold my hand to my heart so that I'm really, and close my eyes so that I'm really centering on that. The other thing that I believe is a life practice is creating a vision board. I have a really amazing vision board, and it's not just something I did just to say I have one, I revisit it, I look at it, I examine it, I ingest it every single day, and that keeps me centered.
1: That's why and I'm that's, still here. And, that, and that's important. You know, one of the things when I do my financial planning workshops, you know, I talk about, uh, you know, writing things down. And mm-hmm. uh, the reason is that, uh, you know, and Habakkuk talks about, you know, Habakkuk in the chapter of the Bible It talks about, make the vision plain. Right, the vision, down. make it plain. Exactly. And you and we say, well, why is it important to write them down? And I said, well, if was, let's talk about if it, from a biblical standpoint. Uh, if, if, if Moses came down from the mountain didn't have it written down, we'd be arguing over the Ten Commandments right now because <laughs> mm-hmm. he didn't write them down. Mm-hmm. So he wrote them down mm-hmm. so you could see it. And I just think something, you know, to your point, that when you see something written down, it just gets something in your spirit then now it's visual. You know, we are visual people. So if you mm-hmm. say, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going to increase sales by 20%, you know, and you get mm-hmm. that and you affirm that, and then I just think the universe comes together to help you do that. You know, um, it does. you know, it's just so important to do that, to have that time to reflection. And I like your, your affirmation, prayer changes people and people changes things. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't rent manna man up from heaven anymore. He blesses you through other people. And right. So right. Really and, it. I and I also, and I could, I could tell you so many stories. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
2: bet. I'll bet. And the
1: the thing sure I like to can. tell
2: my son, I have a thirty-year-old son, and the thing that I like to tell him is when I say something to him, and he kind of gives me the side eye, like he doesn't understand why I'm saying that or why right. I know what I'm saying. You know, I've been living a lot longer than you, and because I've been living a lot longer than you, I've seen a lot more and I understand that things don't always come the way you hope that sometimes it's the ram in the bush sometimes it's the you know unexpected miracle that happens that you couldn't have planned for and you just have to have faith in those kind of possibilities
1: right and that, and that's so important and you know the youngsters like I said you know I'm in education I deal with a lot of you know teenagers in middle school and boy if I can just get to say you know I'm not going to tell you something that's going to hurt you, okay? Whatever I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you because, one, it's research-driven, and, number two, it's experiential, meaning I've experienced it, okay? So I'm not telling you something that won't work, mm-hmm. but a lot of times, you know, with these young kids, they just think they want to get it on their own or they want to go to the school of hard knocks. You know, if you have a solution about that, please write a book about it so I can like. <laughs> so <can>, yeah. <laughs> So you rebranded your business at the beginning of uh, 2016. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what happened and share the difference. With me. What, what did you rebrand? How did you – why did you do it, and what is the rebranding?
2: Well, um, when I first started my business, I didn't know what I wanted it to be called, and we're talking more than 18 years ago now. And I started writing my newsletter, and when I wrote my newsletter, I was like, oh, you know what, I think I want the name for my newsletter to be – Brilliance in Action and as I finished writing that first one I was like you know what I don't think I just want that name for my newsletter I think I want my business to be Brilliance in Action so initially I was Brilliance in Action Enterprises and I always thought big you know so I did that for several years and at the end of 2015 I had spent about 15-18 months out of my business due to illness Wow. and so when I came back I wanted to have a depth of clarity about what I would be doing going forward because people knew me at that point as the group coaching diva because I, I showed my clients before that how to uh, create and deliver profitable group coaching programs using linguistic programs. Okay, that was what I did, and that's how people called me. Somebody gave me the moniker, the group, diva, group coaching diva. So at the end of 2015, because I had been out of my business so long, I didn't know if anybody really remembered me, and I didn't know Mm -hmm. if I could really bring value to the marketplace. And as I started to stick my toe back in, and I looked at my inventory, and I looked at all of the content that I had created over those years, I felt like it was symbolic for me to close the Brugginson Action business and open under a new moniker. Business Beyond Limits. Now, let me tell you what the Business Beyond Limits came from. My 15, 18-month absence was really due to illness, as I said before, but what most people don't know about me that I share very readily now is that in my 20s, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Wow. And that's what the mental health community calls your, your diagnosis. If they don't know where it came from, it wasn't caused by some trauma, some tragedy, some you know kind of abuse, whether it's substance or emotional, they just know they need to come up with a, the right chemical cocktail to treat it. And so that 15, 18-month period that I was out of my business, I was struggling. I was with a doctor at the time who, who just kept changing my meds, and I had horrendous side effects from the changes. I had facial tics, I had mouth sores. I slept all day. I was up all night. So it just there was just nothing good that came out of it. And then at the end of 2014, in the midst of all of this, I went through um, a total hysterectomy. And I know you're a guy, you may not know this, but if you don't do some sort of hormone replacement therapy, it can send you into hormonal hell. Well, bear in mind, I was already in hormonal hell, so it just made it worse. So in the summer of 2015, I changed doctors. And the doctor that I changed to looked at everything that I had taken. This is a psychiatrist. She looked at everything that I had taken, and she said, let's try this old generation medication because I've had success in other patients. And I just started to soar. I mean, I just I wasn't afraid of anything. I was fearless. I just made stuff happen. I was super productive. I was I was coming back strong, you know, with a, mm-hmm. a level of hope and a depth of hope that I hadn't had in a long time. Not just in my business but in my life. And so business beyond limits for me was symbolic of that clarity that I now had. And one of the stories I, I want to share with you is early in twenty sixteen there used to be this this uh live stream platform called Lab. Do you remember that?
1: Lab? No. B L A B No. Yeah, it was that. a
2: live streaming platform. Well it's not around anymore so it's not really significant, but there was an organization, a women's speakers organization that was doing regular training for their members, and they kept promoting this speaker that was had this amazing secret. and after she finally got the courage to share it, she was um, it it made her a millionaire in her business. She really profited a lot. it It exploded her business and her impact. And so I was like, we wonder what that secret is because at that point, Before that, I was really very secretive about living and thriving with depression. I just wouldn't tell anybody about it. If I had a bout, I would say, oh, it was my sinus infection. I just wouldn't disclose that. It felt shameful to me to have depression. So I jumped on this live stream with this lady, and it turns out that her secret was that she had contracted herpes in her 20s. And once she started talking about it, all of a sudden, speaking about it from the stage, she became an advocate for people with herpes. And so people started to seek her out so that they could kind of live and thrive and be open with their herpes like she was. And so the question I asked her, I was listening to her and I was like, I think I'm ready to start sharing my secret now. How do I do this? So my question to her was, when did you know it was time for you to share your secret? And she said something so powerful to me, Dr. Ross, that still encourages me and inspires me to this day. She said, when your desire to heal is greater than your fear, you will share it. Mm. So for me, Business Beyond Limits also became about sharing my secret, Sharing what did not need to be a secret and I can't tell you the number of times when I speak whether it's via a radio like this or from a stage or wherever it is and I share my story how many people come to me and say thank you I have a parent, I have a sister I have a cousin I'm living with depression and you really just gave me some encouragement about how to handle it So Business Beyond Limits is really about living beyond whatever limitations you really think you have. It's looking at what's there and throwing away the limitation and latching on to the hopes and dreams and the possibility and the potential so that you can store in your life and in your business. And for me, that translated in 2016 when I rebranded, that translated into me really zeroing in And unearthing those things that kept my clients from moving forward that they needed to heal from, and as a result, they learn how to be better in business. They learn how to be better at sales. They learn a language that really is complementary and authentic for them in their business and how they approach and build relationships. It's just been all encompassing in a big way.
1: It's interesting, you know, when you started talking about the uh, the depression that you went through. I had a guest on my show a couple of months ago, C. D., C. David Moody. Moody, mm-hmm. uh, Moody yes, I know him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and you know his story, right? You know, with the sexual trauma that he experienced and the anxiety, and that show was the most requested download mm-hmm. of all my broadcasts. And you know, he and he talks about it. So that was very interesting when you said, you say that again, that your desire to be healed is greater than what? Your fear. Than your fear. That's when, that's when you, you share. You share your, your secret. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's, that's so I just powerful. remember,
2: and, and let me just say this one thing so that I can kind of tie it all together.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When I was working before the 2014, 2015, all of that happened, I was part of a, a group of coaches, and I was on the leadership team. And there was a gentleman, a colleague of mine. We were working together on a project. And there was one day that I had where I just—it was rainy, it was gloomy, and I just didn't feel like getting out of the bed. And so I had to postpone a meeting that I had with him. Because we were working so closely together, when we met again for the first time, I told him that I have depression. He said. Yeah. Wow, I am so sorry, Wendy White. Wow, I didn't know. I I really and he just went on and on and I thought, What did I tell him? Like did I did I say something that I shouldn't have said? Because his reaction to what I shared was just so hard, you know, it was it was he gave me pity. It wasn't like he understood me. It was like he was almost horrified that I was going through the experience of of living with depression. Well, I didn't even see it that way back then. But that really deepened my shame about sharing it. So hearing this lady say, when your desire to heal is greater than your fear, then you'll know it's time to share your secret, really liberated me. It freed me from the chains of shame about living and thriving, let me add, with depression. Because that's how I see it today. I'm thriving with depression. I'm not suffering. I'm not, you know, there's no downside to it for me because I've learned, I've seen the downside, but we don't have to look at those because I know what's possible on the other side. It's kind of like, you know, joy comes in the morning. When, I, when you're having a bout, if you suffer with depression, or in my case, thrive with depression, you may have times when you feel down. But thankfully, because of the chemical cocktail for me, I know joy comes in the morning. So sometimes it's about waiting for the joy to come, waiting for the joy to happen. And the joy may look like uh, new meds kicking in. The joy may look like um, I got enough rest, and so now that I have enough rest, I'm rejuvenated. The joy may look like – you follow what I'm saying?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, I I follow what you're saying, and and, and what I hear – is that, you know, with the cocktail they're talking about that you you still struggle with this on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you're courageous enough to get up every morning and go at it and just say, Hey, you know, um, I've got this cocktail, I'm gonna let it kick in
3: mm-hmm. but I'm gonna
1: keep on mm-hmm. moving forward until I can't move anymore, you know. And, right. and to me right. that's like a super it's like to me, you know, I'm a big comic book fan, Marvel and all that It's always, to me, I I see that in you as a superhero that has an Achilles heel, but you still go out there and fight the bad guys. You know what I'm saying? That's
0: right. You you say, hey,
1: well, I know I had this kryptonite out there, and if someone has kryptonite, they might get me. But you know what? I'm going to keep fighting, even though that kryptonite, someone someone might have it. And I'm not saying someone literally has your depression, but you know what I mean, that it may just come roaring up. And when I was talking with uh, Mr. Moody, you know, and he was sharing that, and almost, you know, his conversation and your conversation was very similar in that sometimes he'd have to fight through the anxiety and his wife mm-hmm. would have to drive him to a meeting and, you know, and he would have to struggle through it and then come back home and collapse, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and you guys, that, and, and I guess all of us deal with something in our lives that uh, may not be as, as, as uh, uh, you know, debilitating as, say, depression, but there's mm-hmm. some trauma that we deal with. That we have to fight through every day, you know. And, Without uh, a doubt, I, just commend, I mean, you I look just at it as a you. black
2: man.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I just commend you for sharing and being so transparent because I know there's somebody in that's listening to this broadcast that either is going through something like that, and it may not be depression, or they may have a relative that's going through it, and they've got to fight every day, you know, um, you know, not to, um, you know. And I'll be a little transparent here, okay, mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, I don't know if you know that my daughter passed away two and a half years ago through a I car know. accident. Mm-hmm. I and, 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 I, and I can't share it with anybody because they, don't, they can't understand the pain unless they've gone through it. Right. And unfortunately, I have two childhood friends that have lost uh, their children at an early age. And it's a, it's a fraternity, sorority, or whatever that I don't invite. I would hate to invite anybody into it. But right. there are some days, uh, and I have never shared this, you know, there are some days where I have to fight through because I miss my daughter so much and mm-hmm. that I have to fight through not blowing my brains out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah, I get the pain, that. The pain is so deep that there's nothing. I can't get in there and touch it, you know. And I just pray, and I just, you know, I I, I put together a 10-minute or 15-minute video uh, during her for a homegoing service. And it's been over two years, and I can't watch it. And the reason Mm -hmm. I can't watch it, Wendy, why, is because I just don't know emotionally what's going to happen to me when I do it. And I don't Mm – it's almost like I don't want to open up that can right now. There's some day that I will, and uh, but right now I I just can't do it. The wound is too – and I'm, you know, too fresh, you know. But I didn't mean to digress. Well, but absolutely. I wanted to, I wanted to under, I, I wanted to say I understand, you know, the fight every day that you have. My fight is different than yours, but it's it still is. some trauma that I've been through that I gotta struggle every day. And I just get up every day and just keep moving, you know, and uh, keep grooving, and and that's what saves me. Because if I just wallow in it, then yeah. I don't know where that would end up. You know what I mean? You know, so well, I, me, I appreciate. Let
2: me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Thank you. And, you know, I'm, I'm honored that you chose this moment to share that. I'm, I'm quite honored. Um, I know, I do not know that experience of losing a child. I know loss, and I understand grief because it's, it's got to be part of the work that I do because I work with the whole person. But mm-hmm. the thing that most people don't understand is pain is pain. Loss right. is loss. Even if it's loss of your ability to be functional with the depression or loss of a loved one, loss is loss, and you still have to grieve that. And what else people don't understand is pain is pain. And pain, many people here, and, and, you know, I just want to say this to you directly. Many people think that when someone takes their life, that that was their plan. They wanted to end it all. The reality is if you're in that dark space, Dr. Ross, you're not thinking I want to end it. You're thinking I want this pain to end. Yeah. And you don't care about the consequences on the other side when you're in that dark space. And during 2016, I did a number of different podcasts, and so I talked about the depression a lot. And one of the interviewers that I had said to me, Well, how did you survive that? And it's like I said before, you survive it by understanding you wait because you know joy is coming in the morning, you know. So I want to say to you, yes, I know Charmaine won't be here, but she's still a part of you. Like you raised her, there was a connection there. When I look at your photos, I see the connection, the closeness that you guys shared, and you still have that with your other two daughters, and it's all a part of who you are as their dad, that's the joy in the morning for you. And as you continue to embrace that joy in the morning, what you're going to find is there will come a time, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week or next month or next year, but there will come a time when you will say, okay, it hurts, but it hurts a little less, and I feel like I'm healed enough to actually watch this video that I put together. It's
3: gonna
1: happen, yeah. and I you know, it's and, happen. and and it will, and and, and, and hope you know uh, I can look at the pictures, you know, and uh, and I you know and I think about her every day, you know, because uh, you know we were very close, and and then mm-hmm. the, the other other unfortunate part that I had to let me, let me take a break, okay? I gotta take a break. Okay, okay, take a deep breath.
0: Investing and paying taxes. How to save money on all three on today's Your Personal Finance. Now you've got a bonus coming chrysler corporation announces owners bonus our way of saying thank you to our loyal owners and lessees with extra savings of up to one thousand dollars over and above our current national incentives now get an extra one thousand dollars cash back on all our award-winning minivans or get an extra thousand dollars cash back on select magnum powered dodge trucks or get an extra 500 cash back on all jeeps and select cars and for ford and gm owners chrysler is also extending this unique offer to you Simply present your Ford Appreciation or GM Loyalty Coupon to one of our friendly dealers, and it will be honored toward the purchase or lease of a qualifying Chrysler Corporation vehicle. So hurry in now and take advantage of great savings on these great cars and great trucks during Chrysler Corporation's Owner's Bonus. This Owner's Bonus is for current Chrysler, Ford, or GM owners who bought or leased their vehicles new. Call 1-888-GREAT-CARS for details and restrictions and offer ends July 2nd. If you'd like to put more money in the bank, be smart about banking. Avoid unnecessary bank fees by using only your
1: bank's ATM machines. And maintain your required minimum balance. Sign up for overdraft protection and don't buy checks from the bank. Mail-order check suppliers are a lot cheaper. Don't put too much money in a low-interest savings account. Any amount over $3,000 should be in a higher-yielding fund contribute to an IRA or maximize contributions to your company's 401k plan. Don't trade stocks casually.
0: Every transaction costs you. If you got a big tax refund, increase your deductions on your W4 form and keep more money in your pocket. For your personal finance, I'm Charles Ross.
1: And we're back. Your personal finance with Dr. Charles Ross and Wendy Y. Uh, Coach extraordinaire, and uh, we were sharing offline. Um, and I don't even know how we got into this. So I, oh, I know how we got into it. She was sharing about her struggles with depression, and then mm-hmm. uh, I identified, you know, um, you know, my struggle with losing my daughter to about two mm-hmm. and a half years ago. And one of the things that I I have found uh, as my superpower is to work through that. And the students, because you know I'm in education, so I have a, a caseload of students that I help with attendance, behavior, and uh, academics. And so, you know, I take a personal interest in every one of them in terms of what they can become because, you know, if there's some things they're not doing, then, you know, they'll experience a slow death. If you don't get a high school education and, and get a skill that you can, you know, make some money doing something with, follow your passion. And so I'm able to speak into that live, and I don't necessarily share with them, you know, um, you know my journey. I, I've shared with some students who, who I felt was appropriate to try. You know to let them know that I understand the trauma because we've all been through mm-hmm. trauma. But um, and I'm sure in your case dealing with, with depression as that, that has made you a marvelous coach, because of you know, what you have to struggle yeah. with. You know, you know. So, yeah, it
2: has because what on. I've learned, and this is kind of what I think you're you're alluding to, is when you have your own story. The depth of your compassion is, is much deeper, you know. Right. You, you look at other people and you don't just see um, a face. You see the whole person and you recognize what's happening with them. You, you see how you can su- support them and serve them more deeply.
1: So, yeah, oh, absolutely. it
2: absolutely has. Yeah. And, and,
1: and one of the things that I have taken as my mantra is that what is your Why? why are you doing, why am I doing this? Okay. Because that why is what gets me up every day, you know? And, you know, in addition to the educator, I have two businesses. I'm in real estate and, and one in financial services. Uh, and so my why gets me up every day to say, why am I doing this? What's my passion? Why am I doing this? Why am I trying to uh, have folks like you on a show to enlighten them about what's possible about helping them in their finances, that you're a person in business, helping people, and you have a story, and you're sharing it, and someone needs to hear that. You know, whether it's helping their finances, helping their parents who might have Alzheimer's, working through a tragedy they've been, trying to get, you know, start a business, whatever the case may be, that everybody has a story and a struggle. And so don't feel like you're alone in that. And that's why, you know, even though this show is called Your Personal Finance, that we're still, I'm still dealing with the motivation that people need to get started and that's why you know you're on the show talking about that so what's been the best business advice you've ever received you know is there one piece of advice advice that has motivated you
2: I don't know that it has motivated me as much as it has equipped me to deal with anything over the long haul I say anything but I'm talking about just in terms of being productive in your business because being an entrepreneur means that you are self directed you're self-motivated no one's giving you direction on what you've got to do. No one's telling you, here are the task at hand. You have to arrive at those for yourself in order to grow your business. And when I first started my business, just imagine I had been working probably 25 years of my life, and I was tired of working. I wanted to play. So I would... <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to play. I wanted to have lunch with my girlfriends, meet them for lunch. They were still working. Or those that worked at night, we would have lunch because, you know, they were free during the day. I wanted to go hang out and shop. And I just wanted to do all of these fun things. I wanted to play. And my very mm-hmm. first coach said to me, okay, I get it. Because I, I really am like a free spirit, and I like to play like I do, okay? Okay. And what she said to me was, she said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set a timer for thirty minutes and I want you to to give yourself the commitment of thirty minutes to start getting to work. And if at the end of thirty minutes you still want to play, go play. But if at the end of thirty minutes you you are rocking and rolling and you're getting things done and you're scratching stuff off your list, then keep then keep going. So that's what I did. And there were some days that I did want to play after 30 minutes, and there were some days that I did. You know, I was churning and rocking and rolling after 30 minutes. It's the best advice for me, Dr. Ross, because what happened for me was I became stronger in my self-direction. I became really amazing at accomplishing my goals, big goals, and it just made a difference. I built my business to six figures twice, so I know what's possible. I know what it takes, and that level of productivity, productivity, and self-direction is really what's called for.
1: Now, what did you do before you got into coaching? Were you in corporate America? You know, I what, what was. were you doing before? Okay, I was.
2: I was in uh, <laughs> information technology, telecom, and okay. um, I loved what I did. I was good at what I did, but I did not like the experience of being in corporate America. You know, I was what, literally you like? battered. Well, I just as a woman in corporate America, in that industry in particular, you are bombarded with um uh male energy, let me call it that. And it's not necessarily attractive. There were mm. just every day there seemed like some battle that I was fighting because I was a woman and my peers were male and um it it was it just wasn't fun you know and i remember years after i say years maybe a, a little over a year after that i was talking to my therapist and it came up that whole situation that i had endured in corporate america came up and she was like the look on her face said to me oh we're we're there again because it stays with you, and you know, we were talking before um, before the break. PTSD, PTSD is real, and to mm. me, after experiencing some of the things that women experience in corporate America, and men experience, black men in particular experience in life with being, you know, racially profiled and things like that. That's PTSD. It's real.
3: Yes, So yes it, is. it
2: prepared me though, because it let me know so much more was possible for my life, and I made I made it happen.
1: And you know, I I say you know my I, my mantra is like I have all girls, so my mantra has always been you know Black girls rock. And yes, I used to joke I love with, it. and I used to, and I used to joke with my daughters. I said because you know having raised daughters and then. Looking at some of the men they had to encounter as far as dating partners, I said, mm-hmm. Okay, daughters, listen to your dad. When y'all take over the world, don't put your dad in a concentration camp, okay? <laughs> so, I I was love it. With, so I was joking with him that, you know, black girls, you know, just do tremendous. My daughters are just on fire, you know, and I'm just they proud are. to be there. I'm just so proud to be your dad, and I'm sure every dad. I'm, a, you know, they had to think about girl dad. I am definitely a girl dad, and <laughs> and I would tell, I would tell my my the educators that I come in contact. Is well, you know, I got the best of both worlds. And they say why? I said, well, because I know how to deal with with with, with female students because I have daughters, okay, mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. a guy, and I'm a guy, so I know how to deal with guys, you know, and you know, in my office, I would have pictures of my daughters <laughs> and stuff. And they would come in there, and you could see the girls walk there and say, Is that your daughter? She's gorgeous. Oh, is that? Mm-hmm. And they quickly, whatever. They issue made a I connection. Having, they made a connection. Whatever issue I was having with those, uh, th- those girls, what goes away? Because they know that for me to have all those daughters, I have to know something about girls.
3: Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And then,
1: unfortunately, a lot of these girls don't have dads in their life. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm 62, so they look at me as grandpa. And uh, I can't tell you the stuff that they shared with me. And, I, and my heart bleeds for them and because, you know, dads are so important. And I wish I could go talk to some of these dads and say, you know what? Your daughter's missing, missing you. I don't care whatever issue you have with their mama. I said, but you need <laughs> to go and, and see your daughter and spend some time mm-hmm. with them. And even I say that with, you know, with, 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 uh, with dads and their sons, you know. Um, you know da- sons need their mom. They need their dad, too. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot for of For different dads, reasons, yeah. Yeah, for different reasons. But a lot of the dads are incarcerated and at real school, you know. And and that's some trauma in and of itself, you know, um, in terms of what they're dealing with. So, do you consider yourself a workaholic? I, I don't know any other word to kind of describe it, but do you consider yourself? Because I know. I as was. An before,
2: I consider myself I a recovering. I'm sorry. I, let me I,
1: let I, you finish your question. Well, well what I was going to say was that I know as an entrepreneur, you know, I've been there, done that, there's always something to do. You're, you're, you you're may have tasks or daily stuff to get rid of, but there's always something to do. I mean, you, I know you understand that, so you have to shut it off at some point. So, okay, I'm done working. I'm going to do, like, playtime. Because you could work 24-7. You know, uh, without, with this, question. You know,
2: without question. without and, question. And I
1: think that's but, the biggest challenge, uh, I think, that I still face because once I get passionate about something then I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm thinking of all the connections and things that I need to do and I'm sure that's what well. so so you're a recovering workaholic please tell me am. How, how did you, how did you get there <laughs>
2: Well you're like please tell me I wanted to be there well <laughs> what happened for me to be quite frank is my health suffered
0: I'm a night owl,
2: but just by natural biorhythms, I stay up at night. I like being up at 1, and sometimes I'm up at 2. And when I was a workaholic, and and like you, I was burning the candle at both ends. I would go to sleep maybe 3 or 4. I would wake up around 8. I would start it all over again, right? Because I had to get my son. I'm a single mom, so I had to get my son to school, so it's not like I could sleep in, right? And when my health started to suffer, and I had a whole bunch of different things going on with me when I was a workaholic, I knew that health was a a stronger priority than whatever was on my task list. Mm
3: -hmm. You know,
2: I knew that I had to get enough sleep. I knew that I had to start offloading and delegating. I knew that I needed to bring in a team. I knew that I needed to let some things go because they couldn't stay on the list because it was too much. That's why the whole rebranding gave me such clarity, because it took a whole bunch of stuff off of my plate. I created tons of content already, so I didn't need to recreate that content. So I focused on the new content based on my overall roadmap and, and body of work so that I didn't do 511 things anymore. I focused on five Mm -hmm. And that gave me a a depth of freedom that I had not known before. Today, just to be real, real clear with you, I take naps if I want to during the day. My mom is 89, so sometimes she likes to go. I think next week we're going to go to the farm and get fresh corn so she can shuck that and put it in the freezer. Uh, I like to be available to do that. And I can't do that if I'm working all the time. She asks me sometimes, uh, she'll say, are you real busy next week? Are you real busy tomorrow? And I'm like, tell me what you need. I'll move stuff around. It's also right. quality uh. of life. It's quality. You no, know, It's not about um, how much you can get done. It's what do you want your life to look like on any given day. And I'm talking Monday, Thursday. It doesn't matter what the day is. I don't live for the weekend because my weekend activities – are sort of, um, I incorporate them every day of the week. I don't just look at Saturday and Sunday. I'm always Mm -hmm. doing something in the course of a given day that is about me. I'm sitting down. I'm listening to my music. I'm taking a nap. I'm, you know. I went and spent the hour before we jumped on this call with my son. My son is the manager of the store, and it's Mm -hmm. really slow where he is. So he can sit down and have long conversations with me. He's 30 years old. And so I went and sat and talked with him for an hour. And wow. if I were a workaholic, I couldn't have done that.
1: And that's, and that's the thing that's so important to find those little pieces of happiness. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, one of the things I was reticent and I, and I think I shared with you offline before, you know, we scheduled it, that I, you know, I decided to bring back my radio show. And I had been thinking about it for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. the thing that helped me back, Wendy, why is because I knew what it took to get my show started back in yeah. ni- in the middle of nineteen eighty five. I knew you we're working hard back then. I was working hard, yeah. And I mm-hmm. and I and I said to myself, I said, "Okay, do I really?" Because one of the one of the things that I'm sure you could identify with this when you start a business, you're kind of naive because. One of the things I have found out that anything you're going to start in business, and it doesn't have to be in business. It could be anything. It's going to take more time than you thought, and it's going to take mm-hmm. some more money than you thought. Than you thought, and so, yeah. Then, and so I knew that going in, and uh, and so I guess I consider myself a little courageous because, you know, three months ago, I decided to bite the bullet and say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start this radio show. You know, if I don't get a radio station to air it, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to find a way to get Excellent. it out there. Because I believe the people need this information, you know. And now, the cost of entry is a lot less. I don't have to go to a studio, okay? Right. To do my show, okay? And in have her home, have... and do
2: wherever you need it need, it, I need go to go. be.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a computer. I can get this thing done. There's a there's a website that creates it, allows me to do this. And so that's a that's a great great thing. And you know, and 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 God knows if, if I happen to get back on the radio, more power to me. If I don't. I'm content because I enjoy doing that. And so I've got to work on that workaholic part because I know you know I have so many ideas going of what how I want to distribute this because there's so many things, you know, that I can do with the print, uh, you know, uh, web, internet, social media, books, all, all that mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? So in closing, what are your future plans? What's your ending with all this? I mean, what what are you what, what is going, what is, what will say that you know, I've made it, you know, I'm at, I'm at the pinnacle, not to say you're not, but because everybody, even when you're on the top of the mountain. Well, I'm not, I, I, I got more growing to do for sure. But
3: what's the just... end
1: game? Where, where you say, okay, if I get there and let me tell you why I asked that when, when, okay. why. Because when I was doing my radio show, um, uh, I thought I had done all the things I could do. So in 1998, I stopped doing my radio show, all the stuff and I opened up a Christian bookstore in North Lake Mall, and I lost a half a million dollars in two years. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I, because I, I thought, Wendy, why at that time I had, a ch- I had checked off everything that I said I wanted to do. I was on television. I writ- wrote two books. Mm-hmm. I was doing mm-hmm. seminars of the country. I had two radio shows. I had a newspaper column. I had, a news- I had a, not only a syndicated column, but I had a column in the flagship newspaper in Atlanta, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, I've done it all.
3: I'm now on top what? of the
1: world. Yeah, yeah I made and, it. The, and I thought the Lord was telling me to open up a Christian bookstore, and I did that. And maybe I heard him wrong. Maybe, <laughs> 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 maybe or maybe, maybe you he heard comes... him
2: right, because sometimes people don't understand that when not so positive things happen, sometimes it's God by God's design. Like He He puts us in position because we need to learn something that we haven't learned otherwise. So he's like, "You didn't <laughs> learn it over here. Let me put you in this situation so you get it, right? Right, so right. So it's not always not his design that you you fail. You know what I mean? Sometimes he uses situations your failures to teach you and to mold you. For me, oh, yeah. my end game oh, yeah. is to. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Okay. My game. my end game is to retire early and travel the world. I love traveling. Mm. And I'm able to do like the lap laptop lifestyle I've heard people call it cuz I can do my business from anywhere and that's true. As right. long as I have technology and and stuff, I can do my business from anywhere. And I incorporate that into my life, into my day-to-day existence. With this whole coronavirus and all of that, I haven't been able to travel. So my goal is to to build a a, a legacy, if you will, for my, my son. And legacy does not mean he's a life coach as well, by the way. And okay. legacy to me does not mean leaving him my business. Legacy for me means being able to to demonstrate and model for him that life is about being whole, W-H-O-L-E, and not being a workaholic. You know, he's, he's in the, for the first time in his life, he's in a salary position, so he's not working by the hour. When I talked to him earlier, he was talking about how he was going to take, start taking a day off, an extra day off, because he wants to do some things that he enjoys doing. He's too, gotten too old to do skateboarding, which he used to love to do, but he wants to do some traveling too. So my mm. end game is to continue modeling for my son the legacy of living a whole life, not just working his whole life. And I feel like I've started to, to plant those seeds but I wanna be able to have him see me in the life of I've I've left I've left work, I've left the business, I've moved on, I've evolved to something else so that I can be independent and travel and enjoy my life as a whole person. That's my end game.
1: And and I heard you say something, you say your son's a life coach because I think you know, in the financial area that I'm in, in in personal finance and so forth, that I always I always ask people people you know what's your end game? You know how you go in other words, how are you going to get out of this life alive? Okay, mm-hmm. and <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean what I mean mm-hmm. by that, at some point you're going to have to stop working, if right. not because you know your job ends, but more importantly because you just tired of working. You worked 40, 50 right. years. And right. you want to stop working and you want to have your day spent the way you want to, not dictated by somebody else, whether it's 8 to 5, 7 to 12, or whatever. And I think that, you know, uh, and that's another reason that, that uh, uh, you know, um, motivate me to, to get back into doing what I, with my uh, not to say education is not my passion because it's teaching and I love it, but also uh, to have my schedule be my own. So when I get up in the morning at 6 mm-hmm. or 7, I can do what I want whether I want to, you know, look for some more real estate deals, whether I want to look for some more clients for my financial services business, you know, um, or do nothing. Or whether okay. you want to go
2: to the beach with your wife. I saw you last exactly. week at the beach with your yeah. wife. I think that's
1: yes. amazing. Yes. We like, we like to travel too. And this COVID. Is, mm-hmm. People used to say, oh, well, y'all traveling. I said, yeah, we'd like to get on the road. Our, our big goal is to uh, you know, have that independent life, that financial independence, where we can get into our RV and say, where are we going today? Oh, mm-hmm. we're going to uh, mm-hmm. California. Oh, right. That's a, two-day I love trip. It. who cares? We could do our business from our RV, from our phones and we rock and roll, you know? So that's what I ask people, but you know what, Wendy, I think that the services that you provide to coaches and the coaches provide to businesses, I, I believe there's got to be some coaches that provide that to individuals to help them because a lot of people, they oh, don't have a doubt. Answer. They yeah, don't know. A doubt. If, you ask, if you ask your friends, well, okay, uh, when are you going to retire? Uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> there's mm-hmm. so many software programs mm-hmm. that are out there that can help you with that. So, so I guess to wrap it up, are there coaches that help people individually who are trying to just get their life together to deal with Absolutely. some of issues okay yeah absolutely Uh, there
2: are a ton of different types of coaches i'm a business and sales coach i work specifically with um, entrepreneurial leaders coaches speakers industry experts and marketplace influencers i said that before Mm -hmm. so let me just repeat that and there are also life coaches and they run the gamut in terms of the kind of work they do my son Mm -hmm. has his life coaching certification but what I've seen he, him do with his certification is build stronger relationships at work and in his personal life. So I've okay. seen him apply his coaching education that way. But there are plenty of life coaches, personal coaches, health coaches, life coaches who do anything and everything from leadership coaching to personal coaching to um, ADHD coaching. I talked to somebody earlier today, and she's an ADHD coach, to 16- to 30-year-olds. Um, I talked to someone else earlier today, and her training and experience is in diversity and inclusion in corporations, but life coaching is what she loves because she gets to help people achieve their goals. So there are absolutely tons of coaches and types of coaches out there. Let me say this, and I didn't plan on saying this, but let me say this. For your listeners who might be interested in hiring a coach, make sure that you sample their coaching. Ask them for a session so that you can see if the chemistry is there, if you like what they can say to you, you know, how it's going to help you. Secondly, try to sample more than one coach, and then you can find the right one for you. So those are two tidbits about finding a really great coach.
1: Now, how can people, in closing, how can people get in touch with you if they want to secure your services?
2: Wow. Um, I have two websites, but I'm only going to give you one. BusinessBeyondLimits.com is my website. There's tons of information there. I keep a pretty active blog there, and uh, there's lots of goodies for, for folks there. BusinessBeyondLimits.com.
1: BusinessBeyondLimits.com. Wendy White, thank you so much for sharing you know um, I see why you're such a great coach and you're so sought after because you just have so much information that is a part of who you are it's not like you're talking from a script it's like who you are your desire to help yeah. people and to share people uh, and of course you know, um, you know there's always that one pivotal moment that you, uh, you brought Dr. Ross to tears So, <laughs> so that's it's like, all
2: good though uh, I was prepared for good. whatever yeah. yeah. Hey,
1: you got you got to and you just rolled with it. And I thank you so much because I've learned a lot in terms of just coaching and just motivation and just, you know, it's always good to talk with other business folks, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who are doing great things and uh and you've got some, you know, women out there, black women and guys, but I mm-hmm. see so much of black women doing some marvelous things and I always like to lift them up because the narrative about you know, black women and men is is being hijacked right now, and we need to change that narrative so people sure. can hear about successful people like yourself doing great things. So, thank you so much, Wendy. Much thank you for to- having me. Okay, alrighty. Take care now. You too. So uh, that was interesting, you know. And if you heard the whole broadcast, uh, you heard that, you know, I broke down a little bit. Uh, when I talk about my daughter and I, and I don't like to talk about her Not because I don't like to talk about her But I get very emotional And I can honestly say That uh, There's few things In my life uh, Outside of my mom And, and talking about my dad uh, When I talk about my kids Especially uh, the one that's not around And I, I get very emotional And I get very very uh, Upset With parents that neglect their children, Uh, whether it's educational neglect, medical neglect, physical neglect, uh, emotional neglect, you know, all those things create trauma for their kids. And so, you know, the kids I work with, I I take personal offense at somebody that does that. And the reason is, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) let me take a drink of water here for a second. Okay, and the reason is, <clears throat> and the reason is, <clears throat> okay, hold on, okay, going to pass out here. <laughs> anyway, the reason is because I know what it's like to, to not have a child around, to lose a child unexpectedly. And if parents only could, you know, feel my heart and the feel, the pain that I feel because of that, I think they would change what they're doing or not doing with their children. And that's what drives me in in dealing with the caseload of students I have as an educator. But it also gives me a passion to help change people's lives. Uh, And that's what's motivated me to become a part of an organization called Financial Education Services that provides hope for families and individuals who are trying to get their financial lives together. It has become a passion for me and I am sharing it with every person I know because I don't want people to come back six months, a year from now, when they see how well uh, my wife and I and my family is doing and then they say, hey, what's your secret? I want to be able to say, well, I did try to tell you, but you know what? It's not too late to get on board now. And so I want to be able to uh, share with people And to communicate with them That you need an end game What is your end game How are you going to get out of this life alive Have you created that plan For yourself and for your family And if you haven't Why not And I ask that If you're interested If you're listening to this broadcast If you're interested Then give me a call Or better yet Sometimes people are reticent about picking up the phone and calling us like, "Hey, I heard you broadcast blah, 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 blah,." Just text credit, okay to 404-272-4633 Now, when you text credit, that doesn't I won't necessarily assume that you're interested in credit, but that's about half of the services that I provide are in the credit area. The other half is in the financial planning area, dealing with budgeting, savings, retirement. Network all of this stuff. So if you're interested in, in, in the financial planning credit stuff, just text CREDIT to 404-272-4633. The other part of our strategy is real estate. If you're interested in becoming a real estate investor, okay, then with that same number, four four two seven two four six three three, text RE, like real estate, RE, and I know that you're interested in the real estate portion. Or you could text both of them. The real estate part is what we're doing, we're buying property, okay, in and, in and four looking at four different markets where we're buying property for under thirty-five thousand dollars, and then we're renting them out for anywhere from six hundred to seven hundred dollars a month. Okay? And, uh, we've got banks that help us do that that lend us money on it. Because if you don't have a strategy to get out of this life alive, if you don't have a strategy of how you're going to retire, if you're content, and I don't care how old you are, I'm 62. So if I can do it, you can do it too. But many people are working into their seventies and they don't have a strategy. They didn't have a strategy. You don't want to be one of those people. So all I recommend is that it doesn't hurt to give me a call to text me and we could talk. If you're not interested, fine. All I ask is I hope you have a strategy to get out of this life alive. And when I say out of the life, I'm talking about your work life. Okay. Because you, you know, some people think that they're 401k. If you don't have a pension, then if your 401k is not over a million dollars, then I don't know how you're going to do it. And even if it was, remember, your 401k has to be drawn down. That means you got to take money. If it's a million dollars, if you got to take a hundred thousand every year to, to live on, the next year it's worth nine hundred, nine hundred, nine hundred thousand. You see what I'm saying? But it's very rare that if that's the case. So most Americans don't have more than ten thousand dollars in a ready day fund. They don't have a million dollars. They may not have been three or four hundred thousand in their 401k or 4013, 403b. I'm sorry. So all I ask is that, give that some thought, help you work through that. I thank you so much for listening to this show as I continue to build on it. And prayerfully, hopefully one day I'll have a bigger platform to share some of this information because I've done it before. I did it for 20 years. I can do it again. Okay? That's one thing you'll find about entrepreneurs. When they've been successful building a business, they can always do it again. And that's what I'm doing in 2020. You come along for the for the journey. So I thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing. I hope you got some words of wisdom from Wendy Y. I've known Wendy for a long time, okay? And so uh, to see her grow to where she I remember when, and I didn't share this during the broadcast, I remember where she started, you know, and to see her growth is just my heart leaves the joy because I know what that entrepreneurial lifestyle is like. It's not for the faint of heart. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of your personal finance with Dr. Charles Ross.